The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Befica drop two points at home to Kazapia and move further back in the chase of Sporting at the top of the table. Bounce back though a few nights later in Aroca picking up a 2-0 victory in the League Cup and are half a step away from the Final Four in that competition. We got a lot to talk about in this episode. This is episode 175 of Mr. Benfica and it starts right now. Vamos! Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica, coming to you on a Thursday night from the Upper East Coast of the United States of America to the entire world, wherever English-speaking Benfiquistas are located, wherever you're listening. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is where you are, welcome to my podcast. If you're listening for the first time, I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. I used to coach this game. I used to uh, be on a staff uh, at a national third division level. And now I just am a hobbyist who covers this club that has been such a large part of my life for my entire 40 years, essentially, on this earth. And um, it's not easy when you have weeks like uh, the last couple have been, especially like the last week has been at this club and uh, going back to that Real Sociedad match through this weekend's Casa Pia match. It's not easy being Mr. Benfica. It's not easy being a Benfica fan. It's not easy trying to be rational. It's not easy trying to break down matches and look for exactly what's going wrong. To try to say exactly what's going wrong and to be met with hostility and be met with oh they suck that's all that's all you need to know stop making excuses and everything else but I'm here again and I'm not going away welcome <laughs> welcome everybody 
fans, non-fans, Benfica supporters, non-Benfica supporters, Benfica haters, welcome. I, I love it all. Welcome to my podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, okay? I'm at Mike Agustino. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. I know it's a little long, but that's my name. <laughs> I didn't choose it. I was born with it. And uh, again, uh, it's at Mike Agustino, at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. If you're not a Twitter user, that's cool. You can follow me on, or you can follow the show at least, on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And you can f- uh, join the Facebook group as well. Like I said, I tried to put a video up on the Facebook group last week. Or the Facebook page, I should say. I screwed up when I made it. It's not really a group. It's a page. But I tried to put up a little video analysis. And wouldn't you know, Facebook took it down almost immediately. But uh, it's www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. going to try to get that going again. Try to get that reactivated. Try to get some communication and some interaction going between all of us. Thank you for giving me some of your week to talk to you about this club that I love. And uh, this club that sometimes I think doesn't love me. <laughs> the more I defend it, the more they make me look bad sometimes. But you know what? As the Portuguese expression goes once said by Bruno Lage, as he was told by a, as he told the story of what a child said to him, and he says, "Next week, castarei para para apoiar. Next week, here I am to support. I will never." ever turn my back on this club this is my club it my heart beats red and white and listen e unum is my motto in life of many one okay so we're gonna we're gonna get through this but before we get through this okay i'm gonna ask everybody listen especially if this is your first time please subscribe on apple spotify Castbox, stitcher uh podbean wherever you listen to your podcasts iheart uh, on the Alexa app, you can listen to this on Alexa. Literally, just say, Alexa, play Mr. Benfica, and she will play this podcast. Please uh, follow. Uh, give it a like. Share it with your friends, even if they hate Benfica. And if they're going to hate me, share it so they can laugh at me. It's all good. I, I'm here for all of that. All right. Uh, before we move any further, shout-outs tonight. A huge one going out, okay, to the men's basketball team at Benfica, historic, historic victory last night at the Pavilion. Last night, 92, no, sorry, 94 to 72 win in the Basketball Champions League over a Greek giant known as Pauk. This is huge. No Portuguese team has ever won, other than Benfica, no other Portuguese basketball team has ever participated in the Basketball Champions League. No other. Portuguese team has ever won a game in the Portuguese Basketball League. Shout out Ivan Almeida. 28 points, something like that. Man, I, I'm telling you, there is a Mr. Modeli Dodge episode dropping this weekend. I don't care what I have to move around. In fact, I was supposed to go to the MLS Cup playoffs this Saturday. I had every intention to drive down to Jersey from up here where I am, just outside Boston. I was going to drive down to Red Bull Arena to watch my FC Cincinnati. You guys don't know by now the team I've I've gotten to uh, follow in Major League Soccer. One of my former players I used to coach, Dom Baji, plays for them. He played lights out in the first in the first playoff game last week. Uh, major part of Cincinnati's attack. Um, they're playing the New York Red Bulls. I had every intention of going down there Saturday night, but you know what? I'm gonna stay. I'm not gonna go. 
Uh, sorry, Dom. I'm going to have to get to another one. I'm going to stay because I have to do some podcasting work because this team is, uh, this basketball team pulled off a huge victory and they, I need to do a Modeli Dodge episode to cover the other sports at the club because Benfica is not just football. But tonight's episode is just football, so let's get into it, all right? Quick little break here, quick little music break, all right? After Reconquista, I'm going to be on the other side, and we're going to start talking about Benfica v. Casapia from last Saturday. While you listen to the tune and while you wait, why not hop on over to www.mrbenfica.com and take a look at what I've got over there. Um, not a lot has changed, but uh, the... The table should be up to date by the time you hear this. This uh, by the time you hear this episode, anyway. All right, I'll be right back to talk about this match. Yep. Passo a passo, o caminho é duro. Temos muita história, mas ainda mais futuro. Dificuldade em cada jornada sofrida A glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso Por direito que não vi Por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força Sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora Nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até o Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo and welcome back to episode 175 of Mr. Benfica. And we're going to get right into this match. It's Liga Portugal, round number nine, Stadio de Luz. Our home stadium is where we are, 57,240 in attendance. The referee is Claudio Pereira, let's take a look at the lineups. We'll start with the visitors from across Lisbon, or at least where they're supposed to be from. As you know, they play; they don't have a home right now. They play in a borrowed home uh, some 40 or 50 kilometers away in Rio Maior. But uh, we're talking about Casa Pia and their manager, Philippe Martins, in goal. They have the very talented Angolan, Ricardo Batista, uh, 36-year-old, uh, good goalkeeper, always seems to play well against us. Naturally, this wasn't going to be any different. Uh, they're playing in a 3-4-3, interestingly enough. <laughs> um, spoiler alert, we're going to talk 3-4-3 again in a little while. 
Uh, the back three, the right center back is Fernando Varela, the Cape Verde International. The deep-lying central uh, defender is Nervin Zolotic, the Bosnian 30-year-old center back. And to his left, João Nunes, 27-year-old Portuguese center back. Uh, four in midfield, a double pivot is the Brazilian Pablo, 23 years old, partnering with fellow Brazilian Angelo Neto, 32 years old. Those are the two in the middle of the park. Doing the job of wingback slash uh, outside midfield. Doing both jobs, really. On each side on the left, it is the 23-year-old Portuguese player, Le- uh, Leonardo Lelo. And to the right, um, yet another Basque player. Uh, we I had a whole bunch of fun. You can go back to episode 174 and listen to me struggle to pronounce all these Basque names on Real Sociedad. Here is uh, Gaiska Larazabal for uh, Casapia's 25 years old right wing back and they're playing but the four of them play behind the attacking three the striker is the Brazilian Felipe Cardoso 25 years old to his right another Brazilian his compatriot 22 year old Jaja and to his left is the Japanese uh, forward 26 year old Yuki Soma Roger Schmidt would send out uh, a usual lineup and a couple changes uh, he goes with Trubin in goal again. Anatoly Trubin, the Ukrainian international, undisputed uh, number one for us now. Uh, the right back, back at right back, just when we thought we'd seen enough of this man. Uh, in the back, it is Frederick Auschnitz moving from midfield back to right back once again in place of the injured Alexander Ba. The center back pairing is Antonio Silva and Nicolas Otamendi, the world champion. And on the left is Spanish international Juan Bernat uh, getting, I think, his first league start of the season. Uh, Still coming off injury. And um, safe to say, perhaps the biggest mistake Roger made all match was subbing him off. I don't know. We'll talk about that. The double pivot in this one. Okay, we we have a change here, obviously. Um, it came out late, but Orkan Kokshu, the Turkish international, our record signing in the offseason, was out, injured. Uh, he's got plantar fasciitis. And damn, I've had that before. That sucks. Anyone who's never had that, you know, be grateful. Um, it's, it, it's some really, really major pain in your plantar. Um in your heel basically and the fascia in your heel that's why it's called fasciitis and it's just it's crazy inflammation crazy pain i got it being on my feet working in a warehouse for you know 12 hours a day six days a week uh when i had it it was during the busiest time of my year and spending all of those hours you know 60 hours a week on my feet moving heavy things uh my my right heel I got plantar fasciitis in it. That was six or seven years ago. But it is incredibly painful. And it could be chronic or could go away. Hopefully, you know, with uh, the training staff that the team has, with the medical staff, they're able to, you know, relax the muscles a little bit, uh, you know, put the right things in his diet to, to reduce the inflammation. And hopefully he's back on the pitch sooner rather than later. But this could be something that nags all season. I'm very concerned. Uh, fans of the NFL here in the United States will remember that that condition because 
uh, Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame yet, but he will be. Uh, maybe the greatest to ever play. I know out here where I live, nobody wants to hear this, but Peyton Manning, uh, he late in his career suffered from chronic plantar fasciitis. I think his career kind of ended when the pain just got to be too much on that back foot that he would throw off of. And um, yeah, it's 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 not a good thing. But the good side is it gets Florentino Luigi into the lineup. And I'll talk about Florentino. Some of you, not some of you, but some out there, oh, you know, filled up my, my DMs with, with Florentino hate and saying, why are you always advocating for this guy? Look what he did. Florentino is one of the better players in this match. Yes, he made a couple bad mistakes. He got himself booked because of a mistimed challenge. He conceded a penalty due to a mistimed challenge. Timing is the hardest thing to pick up when you're not getting regular minutes. You cannot pick up match timing in training. It doesn't work that way. And uh, most, uh, for me, maybe, you know, you're going to, those that think I'm making excuses are going to continue to think I'm making excuses, but I'm telling you, um, he he needs minutes and that timing will be resolved. He did a lot of, of ball recoveries, a lot of, uh, a lot of, bro- he broke up a lot of passes, a lot of steals. And uh, a very high pass percentage, as we always get from Florentino Luis. And I was happy to see him in there regardless. Partnered with, with João Neves, who for me was the best player on the pitch in this one, on either team. Once again, the 19-year-old. And let me say this right now, because uh, Gold TV's commentator, Manuel Oyola, he uh, mentioned this, and I saw it all over the internet. I've seen it already. I mean, we are still two months away from the start of the transfer window, and nothing is worse about new listeners there's nothing worse about being a Benfica supporter than transfer windows because everybody wants to come take our young players this is getting old it destabilizes our team it it, it leaves doubt everywhere and now Joanev Johnny Snows is the latest one and Manuel man don't report news about Juventus coming in with an offer of 40 to 50 million that's not news Joan Neves has an exit clause in his contract for over $100 million. Whether it's Juventus or it's Aston Villa, stay away if you're not coming to the table with $100 million, Okay, He is not going anywhere. For $40 million, maybe we'll send you his jersey with an autograph, and that's about it. Stay the F away from my club, all right? Stay away. Uh, $40 million, get out of here. That is a joke. That is an absolute joke for a player who has an exit clause of over $100 million. And um, if anything, Benfica showed last year uh, with the whole Enzo Fernandez fiasco that we will not back down and undersell just because you're the Premier League. Okay, you do not have this... I'm going to go on a rant, and I said no rants tonight. <laughs> You do not have this this right, um, you know, by birth because you're the Premier League to everybody's players. You want our players, you bring the money. We're not lowering our price. I don't care what the none of us care what the percentage of profit is on the. We want the player. We don't want the money. So if you're gonna come get the player and you're gonna get the player's head, uh, thinking about going to your team, whether it's us, Aston Villa, whether it's Juventus, Chelsea, I don't care who it is, Manchester City. You're bringing that hundred million now. Our young players, nobody goes for that, especially in season in in January. Stay away from Johnny Snows for some time, okay? Come talk to us when you got a hundred million on the table. Moving forward with the lineup, all right, the attacking three. Rafa playing again in the number ten position. His uh, struggles continue. 
João Mario gets the start uh, to his right and David Neres to his left. And, of course, our, everyone's favorite punching bag, Artur Cabral, is the starting striker. So let's get into this. I thought Benfica started the match better. I, th I saw improvement in this one. I saw improvement from the previous couple matches. I thought Benfica had a... There's definitely a desire there to improve. They know things are not going well and they want to improve, okay? Um... You could see them starting to create chances. You could see... I'm going to pull up the goal point while while we're talking about this. Sorry for the clicking sound in your ear, but I'm going to pull up the goal point here. And uh, it was... You know, actually, the chances... I disagree with with, with the XG in this one. It says a 1.1. And I thought that we had more opportunities than that. We had a header hit the post. We had another shot hit the bar. Florentino hit the bar with a with a with a header, okay, and um, we had a goal scored. I, I, that XG should be clo a lot closer to two, but um, overall, Benfica with a six point one zero goal point rating. I don't usually do this in the beginning, but why not go through this right in the beginning? Thruben in goal gets a six point oh. He made a couple saves plus. We'll get to in a moment. He saves a pen in this one to uh, keep it zero, to keep Benfica in the lead early in the second half. And of course, our luck right now it probably would have worked out better for us had he not saved that. Had they, you know, pulled level and sunk into their bunker with 40 minutes to play rather than with seven to play. But anyhow. Uh, Ocean is 6.3, Antonio 6.3, Ultimate 5.7, Bernat with a 5.5 in this one. Bernat's still working his way up to fitness, obviously. Florentino 6.2, João Neves 7.0, Rafa 6.9, Neres. It's going to be a while before I have to say Neves and Neres again. Uh, only one letter different. Uh, I'll tell you why in just in just a little bit, but Neres 6.0. And João Mario 6.7 and Arthur Cabral 5.2. Off the bench, Angel Di Maria comes off the bench, gets a 5.3. Eurosec 5.2, Tengstedt 5.1. Chiquinho and Gedish don't uh, play long enough to earn a rating. Um, moving back to, to the match again. Early on, Befica were the better Befica were the better team throughout. I think this I do think that this result was a little bit harsh. I know a lot of people don't agree. And there's a lot of Benfica fans that value being right over the team's success. They're almost happy that this went wrong. They're almost annoyed that Benfica were getting points and getting you know results playing less well uh, leading up to this match. And almost there was a sign of relief and the ability to point at those of us that try to be rational about the performance of this team, that try to explain that there are reasons why teams have dips in form, and right now our team is in a dip in form. But up until this match, we were still getting the results, domestically at least. Rafa has an opportunity in the eighth minute, a shot from outside the box, but blocked. Uh, we get another opportunity in the... Sorry, sorry. we get a Casapia opportunity in the 20th minute for Leonardo Lelo. A uh, header from the center of the box, but he heads it too high. But again, the the pace was a little bit better early on. It would slow down. I mean, I think they were moving the ball reasonably in the first half. Uh, Artur Cabral has a chance to put Benfica ahead in the 24th minute. Right foot shot from the center of the box, but saved uh, by Ricardo Bautista in the lower right-hand uh, corner. 
Auschwitz is called offside. Or, I'm sorry, Rafa called offside in the 26th when Auschwitz tried to play him in. Uh, Otamendi tries a through ball two minutes later. Rafa again offside. Um, in the 34th, another opportunity for Benfica. David, David Nerj, this time left-footed shot from a difficult angle on the right, saved in the bottom right corner. And uh, Batista had a few of these saves on this one. Rafa's turn in the 35th. One minute later, right-footed shot from the right side of the box is close, but misses just wide after João Mario, who had a better match. Nobody's going to deny um, an improved performance from João Mario in this one. And uh, I'm telling you, scoring a goal makes a difference. His goal at Terceira, since he scored that goal, he's been better. Okay? Uh, he... We'll, we'll talk about it in Oroca. Um, I'm putting my matches out of order. I was going to talk about Oroca, but that's coming in just a bit. But he, he's slowly getting be- better, getting back to the João Mario. We, well, he's not near the João Mario we saw last season, but he's working his way back there from what I'm seeing. I'm seeing signs that are a little bit promising now from João Mario. And uh, we need a good João Mario. He brings a balance in the team. Equilibrio is the Portuguese word that gets thrown out all the time. Uh, the equilibrium or balance, as we say in English, at least in American English, when we talk about the formation and we talk about the positioning of the team, you need balance. Okay. And João Mario provides that. You get another opportunity. Uh, this time it's 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 Casapia uh, in the 39th. Jaja. With a right-footed shot from outside the box, saved in the top right corner. A great save from uh, Trubin on this one. In the 41st minute, uh, Larazabal would go into the book for a bad foul on Nicolas Otamendi. And um, in, in numerous, just numerous amounts of fouls, copious fouls. From Casapia in this match, a lot of time wasting, a lot of of, of anti football, if you want to call it that. I don't like that term. Uh, I say that for lack of a better term right now. I don't like that term, but um, really trying to delay the game, trying to not allow Benfica to get a rhythm. Benfica getting nervous as the first half creeps towards halftime. Of course, the longer this stays nil nil, the more nervous the team gets. They feel the pressure. The more quiet the stadium gets. I'm going to talk about the stadium if, if, if it doesn't slip my mind by the end of this episode. I mean, if I had if I had recorded that immediately after the match, it would have been another episode I would have not released and I would have deleted because I would have absolutely just gone to town on the fans in this one. Um, you need fans to pick up the team when things are bad. And when things are, are when there are struggles, that's when teams and fans need to be most united. But in our fan base, that's when people want to point fingers. Nobody wants solutions. Everyone wants to point blame and then wants punishment for, for those they blame rather than, you know, getting behind this team and, and pushing them back to the front, pushing them back onto the front foot and getting lifting these spirits, getting them to believe they can play their way out of this. Now we, we go we resort to whistles and name calling and calling people cabrão and calling them all kinds of names and wanting them to come in and take the abuse from fans and to look at look at fans and listen to the abuse and nod their heads and agree it's none of that is productive. I'm sorry, I know it's a cultural thing but none of that is productive, okay? Rafa with another opportunity uh, in the 42nd minute. Right-footed shot from the center of the box. This one was blocked by Larazabal. 
But in the 44th, as the ball found its way to Auschnitz, Auschnitz finds João Mario. And, well, let's let Manuel Oyola of Goal TV tell you what happened next. Florentino Luis and Ornes. Now this one is Mirio. What a goal that is. What a strike. Bonjour, Mario. And a top drawer finish. A delightful shot. Absolutely no response from Ricardo Batista, who could only play this tattoo. Joario scores, and a long-awaited goal finally arrives. Benfica take the lead. A brilliant, brilliant goal. That was Joario here scoring. And the Dalusian Stadium has been lit up by this man. So João Mario wakes up the luge there in the 44th minute just before halftime. You couldn't ask for a better time for a go-ahead goal. And this was a great strike from João Mario. I mean, again, his confidence is slowly coming up, okay? It's slowly building, and I'm hoping that this is going to turn into a good, you know, month or two stretch of form from João Mario. Uh, last year, he built up a lot of confidence converting penalties and getting goals that way. Next thing you knew, he was arriving in key areas in the in the penalty area, getting on the end of driven crosses and putting them home. Um, this is uh, this is what we need from João Mario. And um, I'm not going to come on here and just you know complain about the team like so many people do. Okay, I can go to tw- if you want that. Uh, just just go to your Twitter feed. Go back to Saturday and read. Okay, um, this was oh, this was something that uh, you know that should have indicated. All indications would have pointed that Benfica were going to be able to uh, you know control the match now. That they'd find a second, find a third, and we would move on to the next one. Uh, we'd go to halftime up one nil. However, that's where <laughs> that's where the the good news kind of ends. Uh, no substitutions at halftime from either side. Benfica, as we've seen of late, the losing that intensity in the second half, uh, losing that sharpness, trying to manage a result um, far too early, in my opinion, and allowing Casapia to get comfortable. Okay. Uh, they began to allow Casapia to get comfortable. Casapia is a team that can play without the ball for long stretches, so just possessing doesn't doesn't you know it doesn't affect them that way. But they started to get comfortable as Benfica had fewer and fewer dangerous chances. And um, well, we get a substitution in the 64th minute that we were all excited for after not seeing them for a couple matches. The world champion Angel Di Maria comes on for David Nersh. Little do we know this is the last we're going to see of David Nersh, at least in 2023, possibly all season. Uh, he's going to be having a major knee surgery, on, if I'm not mistaken, on a meniscus or on a cruciate ligament. I believe it's on the meniscus. Um, but, man, I'll get into that, actually. I say man, but I almost think this is... It sucks to be to be David Neresh on this, but I think this almost is a blessing in disguise for Roger Schmidt 
I'll tell you why after. I know people are saying, what? <laughs> you guys are probably yelling at your, you know, yelling into your phones or into your car speakers as you're hearing this, yelling, uh, throwing your earbuds away. But I'll, I'll explain in a little bit. But um, we also see a David Yurasek replace Juan Bernat. Everyone's asking, why did Bernat come out? Why did I don't know why the outside backs are now an automatic substitution. It's not just Roger Schmidt. It's most managers in European football. It's like automatic that now the wingbacks are... Well, I think the increased use of wingback play, I think, does coincide with the change in the rules that allowed for five substitutions. And I think managers now feel like wingbacks have to be switched out. I... Get the sense that uh, Juan Bernat had a time limit on this match, that the, the medical staff probably said an hour tops for him because he comes out shortly after the hour mark. And uh, and just before this substitution, I should add, Benfica looked to have gone ahead uh, when Jafa whipped in a ball and Antonio Silva got on the end of it. However, Antonio was slightly offside, uh, a a 2-0 lead, and this is this is a whole different podcast tonight. If, if, if we take the 2-0 lead in this match, we probably win 4-0 if we get the 2-0 lead here. At, the, at this key moment on the hour mark, it would have absolutely sunk Casapia at that point. And I think the opportunities would have flowed from there forward. Unfortunately, the goal does not count. And we're not going to be so lucky with the offside rule a little bit later. But again, Angel Di Maria replaces Neres and Yurasek replaces Bernat. Going back to Bernat, I think that the medical staff, again, like I just said, I think that he was put on about a one-hour time limit to play. I'm sure that they told Roger Schmidt that's the most that he had in him. Uh, he is working his way back from an injury, and he's that's where his fitness levels is at right now. And again, when you have a coaching staff like ours, okay, a foreign coaching staff, that's a, a bit colder-blooded, okay, a bit less Latin, less emotional than we're used to, very much more focused on the big picture. I think a lot of times this is this is where the real division and the real combativeness amongst the fan base comes from. There are two factions that I'm seeing. There's more than two factions, but but the loudest of these two factions, one believing in the long-term process and trusting the process. This manager is a project manager. He is always going to use the long-term pro. The long-term process is always going to be, I think, at the forefront of his, his football ideology, at the forefront of his methodology. And he is going to manage minutes that way. I do believe that that's what he's doing here. And I do believe that's why when many say that he he's stubborn, that's probably a fair criticism. But I think it's that he is ultimately loyal to the long term. And we're not used to that. And this club has fans that don't want that. I, I've fought with enough of, you, enough of them online uh, saying that at this club... The only match that matters is the next one, and they want the team to risk everything in every match. Of course, then when guys get injured, it's why was he playing in this match? People um, go back on what they say all the time when it works out not in their favor. Um, again, I heard people uh, criticizing why why Kokshu was risked against Real Sociedad if he had a condition, why Neres was risked against Real Sociedad. 
in the Champions League. Had they been held out by Roger because of injury concerns, their fan base would have said that this team doesn't care about the Champions League. They would have said that Roger doesn't want doesn't want to compete in the Champions League, that he's too small-minded and that he's resting players for for little Casapia like we used to say. There is no winning with with a large with you know, a segment of this fan base or maybe half of this fan base. There is no winning with them. There, You cannot please some people. And I think if you want a reason, the reason is I think Roger and his staff believe in the long-term plan. And I personally want to see Benfica with a long-term plan. And I want to see Benfica develop ideals and develop uh, characteristics that carry from one manager to another. I want to see a real methodology implemented a real um a real ideology implemented that matches through the levels from the U12s to the 14s to the 16s to the 19s to the 23s to the B team to the, the first team i want to see some continuity there i want to see some progression there and i think that's where this manager runs into a lot of friction with the fan base who want to win today. And the only thing they care about is today. But two months from now, if everybody's hurt or if, you know, if we sell two players in January and all of a sudden, you know, everything's thrown awry, they're going to say, oh, why didn't we, why did we rely so heavily on these people? Why did we, why were we such short-term thinkers? Well, okay, that's why we went to get a German manager, okay? That's why we didn't just get another Portuguese manager. That's why we didn't just go pluck the next guy or we didn't bring in the next guy that's already in our system. Oh, you all know nobody wanted Nelson Verissimo, obviously, to take over this job. Although he can always, listen, Nelson Verissimo can always, in my book, will always be the manager that on the Champions League level exposed Eric Ten Hag for the fraud that he is as a manager. Manchester United fans, you shouldn't be surprised had you watched Benfica v. Ajax in that 2022 uh, Champions League round of 16 tie when Nelson Verissimo outmanaged Eric Ten Hag. You should have known that was not your guy at that time. And it's all, you know, unfortunately the prophecy is being fulfilled right now at Old Trafford. But that's, you know, neither here nor there. That Eurosec for Bernat substitution, obviously, is the one that's going to be most criticized because Eurosec, um, well, Eurosec continues to... Uh, I said that Cabral is, is public enemy number one. I think Eurosec's actually public enemy number one with the fan base right now. 66 minute and Angel Di Maria right after entering the match has an opportunity. A left-footed shot from the right side of the box saved in the bottom left corner by Batista. Um, and Batista gets actually injured on the play. And there was a lot of this. I don't know how much of a real injury this was or how much gamesmanship this was. A chance to slow down, to not let Benfica get going. Uh, now that Di Maria was on the on the pitch, you know you don't want Benfica getting a rhythm if you are uh, if you are Casapia. And I think um, Ricardo Batista knew exactly what he was doing here. Sure, he might have had a little bit of a stitch or a little bit of a knock, and he milked it for what it's worth. Got as many minutes as he could out of it. And uh, he gets, you know, the magic spray on his hip, if I remember, on his ribs. 
Um, Rafa takes another foul in the 71st. This time it's Pablo who just cracks him down. Finally, the referee shows a yellow card for it. Casapia go to the bench in the 72nd. And Benny is on. Angelo Neto is off. Uh, Florentino goes in the referee's book for a foul in the 73rd. Remember, uh, he, well, this is this before the penalty. No. Um, anyway, I think I skipped the penalty, skipped over the penalty here. How can I skip over such an event? I don't know why I'm scrolling through and somewhere I missed the penalty. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, it, it was back in the 54th minute and, um, it was Florentino who created the foul, not booked. And I don't think he should have been booked for this. Not every penalty has to be a booking. I mean, he clearly was trying to play the ball. He mistimed his tackle a little bit. And honestly, the contact was a minimal. There was just as much contact on a play in the penalty area, in the other penalty area late in the match that at that point, all of a sudden, Mr. Claudio Pereira closes his eyes or he sees it and says, nah, not enough. But this he considered enough. <sighs> Again, it's the duality of criteria in this league with these referees. It's not the referee's fault we dropped the points, but they need to be consistent. And it's so easy, so easy for them to whistle a penalty against Benfica in the Stadio de Luz. That is the supporters' fault because the supporters are not on these referees. The supporters do not intimidate these referees. And it's also on the board because the board does not does not speak out about these referees nearly enough. When they do, it's too late. The damage is done. Again, when we win matches and referees make horrible calls, that's when you make those communications. It's not just when you lose points because then it, it does not have the effect. It is not consistent that way. Now, am I a fan of my president taking to social media or taking to an official club statement to criticize a referee by name and condemn a referee and end up getting fined. Not in principle, but this is the Portuguese league. This is the two going. Unfortunately, this is a political, like I say, it's a political championship as much as it is a sporting one. And you got to play the game to win. And if you're not putting pressure on referees, this is what happens. You end up having penalties called against you all the time. And you end up with the fewest penalties in the entire Portuguese league as we sit right now. Bottom of that table with just one pen this season. Okay. However, uh, Felipe Cardoso steps up. Tubin guesses correctly. Tubin saves it. Trubin, excuse me, saves it. And at the time, I said, there's, you know, I said, this is our keeper. This is it. Now let's punish them for missing the pen. Let's put this game away. That's not what fate had in store for us. And looking back with hindsight being 2020, I'm <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. And I actually read this. This isn't my words, but this, I'm not going to call this person out by name, by by handle. But this very person was one of the ones wanting to run uh, Odie out of Benfica. Now he's the backup at Nottingham Forest. Okay, we always talked about his penalty, um, his lack of ability to save a penalty. Trubin already has more penalty saves than does, you know, Odie. But this guy goes, you know, with Odie, we'd be we would have won this match. Odie wouldn't have saved the penalty and he wouldn't have conceded the goal. We never should have got rid of Odie. Who told him to get rid of Odie? Exactly. We're at the point now where the the president, the vice president, and the coach are just gonna be punching bags for criticism and until they either break 
and there's a sacking or until, you know, the team turns this around. But this is not the way I want to see my club be supported. This is not the way that I think is productive. There is ways to criticize. There is ways to show displeasure. Not like this. Not with name calling. Not calling someone a sapu or calling someone whatever you want to call. You know, insert whatever insult you want for people that people are throwing at this manager. And the and I'm sure ninety nine point nine 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 infinite nines percentage. Of these people have never been on a touchline in their life. They have never been on a scouting trip in their life. And they're, and they're criticizing the scouting department. And they're criticizing the manager for things they know nothing about. I'm sorry. There are just far too many people with opinions that are uneducated and know nothing of what they're speaking. Um, but I do think, as luck would have had it, I think if he surrenders this goal here, if he concedes, if he doesn't save the penalty, you would have seen... A big retreat from Kazapia. They wouldn't be sending wingbacks forward under any circumstance if it's 1-1. And I think that Bifiga probably eventually break them down and get that winner. They would have been left with almost 40 minutes to find the winner. This way, they are left with, you know, well, we'll get to, let, let's go to that, I guess. Why don't we move then to the, uh, well, let's move to the 74th. We get a substitution. This drives everybody nuts, but again... I don't know why Gonçal Guedes was not the one coming off the bench. In my theory of what, whatever many minutes he was cleared to play, kind of goes out the the window when three days later, four days later, he gets a start and plays whatever minutes he played against uh, Aroca on uh, on Wednesday in the League Cup. But Roger opts for Casper Tinkstedt instead here for Arthur Cabral. And Arthur Cabral's having a hard time. Okay, Arthur Cabral um, really just on the receiving end of, 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 it's not criticism, it's abuse from fans. They call, they talk about his weight, they talk about it. They, it's just, it goes to personal things rather than a player who is a fish out of water in this system. He has never played in this system. This is going to take a long time to adapt to, at least to be the player that, you know, this is a casting error, like we say. Uh, in you know in in assigning, uh, but it doesn't mean that he can't be useful. It doesn't mean that with more minutes he can't be useful. And um, well, he got he got you know seventy four here, and he got some more again on on when on Tuesday. Excuse me, not Wednesday, Tuesday in Aroca. So listen, our, I remember very well how people received Oscar Cardozo when he came here. Okay, the guy everyone today holds up as the model striker, as, as you know, this guy who came to Benfica and scored all these goals. In that first season, he was slow. He was immobile. I mean, he was always really kind of immobile. He was a box presence. And um, in the beginning, he wasn't scoring either. He wasn't adapting. He was being called all kinds of names, a flop. This is something that goes back 20, 30 years now with, with our fan base of just completely brutalizing players if they don't. If they don't take the pitch and deliver on day one or day, you know, match five, for example. Um, Arthur Cabral is in that mode right now, but I, I am confident that the more he plays in this system, the more he 
The more he's a part of this team, the more perhaps the team can adapt to him as well. He's a striker who needs service, and the team is not playing for him. The team is looking for other options in the box. That's He's finding himself out on the wing a lot in this match, and that's because he's just looking to get the ball. Um, he's used to playing in a 4-4-2 with the twin striker. He's used to playing with a partner close to him. Now he's playing, you know, not in that system, obviously, playing behind three attacking midfielders. Very much isolated. It's a different game. Um, and he's trying to get the ball any way he can because he can't get form. He can't get rhythm if the ball does not get to him. So he's finding his way out wide. And what's happening is you're having a reverse of what you want. And you're having Arthur Cabral finding himself open on the wide, on the wide right channel. Whipping in balls for Rafa to try to win in the area. If anyone at all is in the area. Uh, Ned is well he was in on the left. I think it was still in the first half. Twice broke into the area, won the inline, dribbled in towards goal, slide, wants to slide it across for somebody to just tap in. The way we scored numerous goals last season, and Befica have nobody in the penalty area to get on the end of it. And uh, he ends up choosing either to make the difficult cross to a player on the far side, having to put it in the air, trying to score from difficult, difficult angles. Just um, there's a real disconnect right now. But I do believe that it's not a lack of effort. Benfica um, Independent after the match in there. I love listening to those guys. And um, again, João Nuno puts all of us podcast analysts to shame with his analysis. He is he is phenomenal. And um, he's saying, you know, and and actually for the first time he said a few things I disagree with. But that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, but his... his his uh, statement that he said that it's not for a lack of trying. The players want to do this. You can see that they want to do this. I agree with that. They want to improve. They don't want to be in this in this state. People think people want to think that because they have a lot of money, because they got you know bonuses last season, or because Roger Schmidt got a raise, that they don't care anymore. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Okay, teams go through ebbs and flows. They go through highs and lows. And right now, this team is in a low. A low, mind you, that is, you know, with seven wins, a draw, and just one defeat in the league. At our club, we call that a crisis after nine matches. But to any rational person, that's, you know, yes, our, our aesthetically, we're very poor right now. However, we are not conceding a lot of goals, which is good. Okay? We are not... Um, we're not scoring a lot of goals, but we're not conceding a lot of goals. And uh, it's that kind of stuff that, you know, we can build from there and start to, you know, we got to keep shooting. Ultimately, the only way to get out of a slump is to keep on shooting. We got to look for more shots. I think we need to shoot more from distance. And we need to, you know, force defenses out to open up space. And to eventually get better service to our strikers. At the end of the day, the service is not there. Okay. And it's hard to be honest. If you got a striker who's not getting the ball in front of goal, he, you know, it's hard to put realistically to put all of the blame on on the goal scorers that are not scoring because they're not getting the service they need. Uh, Tinkstedt comes in, and uh, well, Benfica continue to try to play it out, and uh, it is Casapia who looked closer. To the equalizer, to be honest, than Mefica do to putting the match away with the second. Felipe Cardozo again, right-footed shot from very close range, but he missed left. 
Plenty of warning shots fired, and then one minute later, it came. The ball is being lobbed. I mean, it is being dumped down the right center uh, channel. And it is, uh, it's dumped in by Benny and Gaiska Larazabal, the Basque ring back, gets on the end of it. And dare I say, he miskicks this. It's just him approaching the end line, okay? And I, he is trying to, to swing and get his hips around this ball and put it back in front of the face of goal for someone to run onto. He doesn't quite do that. He gets it at a kind of weird angle. It ends up being a shot on goal. I think uh, Trubin is ready. He's he's getting his base ready to come out to play the cross to kind of spread himself out. And what ends up happening? And the same. And I saw this. I forget who said this, but this was 100% accurate. The same reason Trubin was able to save that penalty is his incredible height over two meters in height is the same reason he couldn't get down and save this one. This one squeaks through his legs. I mean, it comes on, and there's just a, it just goes between the wickets, off his back leg, into the goal. It's a fluke of a goal. And um, suddenly, Benfica find themselves with just nine minutes to find a winner. Tinkstead has a left-footed effort from a difficult angle. Four minutes later, um, but it, 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 is saved in the bottom left corner. Florentino with the uh, nearly wins it with the header in the 86. I talk about this one. Yurasek uh, whips in a ball. It is Tino who gets on the end of it. He puts it over the goalie. It looks like it's going to go in, but it just hits the bar and stays out. Then the loose ball is pinging around there, just a few feet from the goal line. And Tankstead tries to get to it. He's unable to. And Mefica somehow do not score on this play. Talked about Yurasek. He he left uh, Larazabal open on that goal. Not open, sorry. He left him onside on that goal by a mere nine centimeters. Very, very, okay. Again, I don't want to talk about other clubs and other matches, and I hate talking about referees. But it's, it's very amazing how that one is precisely measured down to nine centimeters with lines so carefully placed. When about two hours later, our neighbors on the other side of the second circular, on the other side of the of the rotary, of the roundabout there in our neighborhood, they they nearly see their lead diminish with an offside that was close, but where the lines are carelessly placed on the screen and making the player look a lot more offside than he was. I think he might have ultimately been offside anyway in that match. I think the Boavista player probably is offside. But the lines are so carelessly placed. Or are they careless? Or are they intentionally placed that way? That is the question. Do, do we really trust the VAR officials to draw these lines? I know the tech, people will say that the technology of it makes it this and that. and We don't know. We don't know that at the end of the day. I don't trust them. I've seen too many things with the way VAR is used in our league to have full trust in the VAR uh, teams. But nine centimeters left Lerazabal onside or that goal would have come off. Very, very frustrating. Um, And this is not me saying that the performance was good. It was not good. However, there's still... it, it, It just goes to show how much... Better than everyone else, we have to be to win this league. No, it's not a conspiracy. I don't know if it's a conspiracy, 
But it just seems that way that when we, when our rivals, both of them, are not at their best, they end up with 17, 15, 22 minutes of stoppage time, two, three penalties in the same game to get their points. And when Kasper Tinkstedt is pushed with two hands on his back, I don't care how light it was, the Kazapia defender has both hands on Kasper's back and makes a pushing motion and not only does he make a pushing motion with that, he does not allow Casper to go up for the header, and he positions himself to win the header. It's not like he just pushed him. That's a penalty. There is no question. I don't care how light it is. That is a penalty. It does not even go to a VAR review. It does not even go to a review. And I'm sorry, there is no way in hell, pardon my language, no way in hell, that if that player, instead of being Kasper Tankstedt, and instead of wearing a red kit, was wearing a blue and white kit, and was wearing the number 9, and his name was Mehdi Taremi, that that, that would 100% have been called a penalty. There is no doubt in my mind. No penalty called. Oh, man, we get a couple more opportunities. Rafa's header from the center of the box gets saved. Antonio Silva has an opportunity in the 90th plus two off a corner kick. He hits the left post. Again, goal point. Tell me how this is only a 1.1 XG. Di Maria has a left-footed shot saved from the right side of the box. And then time expires. 90th plus eight. The referee blows his whistle for full-time. Befica drop two points at home in front of a lousy crowd, to be quite honest. I said I was going to talk about this, I think. Lousy. Absolutely lousy. That crowd was absolutely dead. When the team is playing poorly and in the lead, the crowd needs to come alive and wake them up. You have a role to play as well. I'm not excusing the team from their performance. But when you have fans who want to be in that stadium who cannot be in that stadium because so few tickets are available it's so hard to get tickets now to go to these matches and so many fans want to be there and can't be there and the ones that are there are playing candy crush they're playing tetris on their damn phones they're taking selfies man we've completely completely lost the identity of this club from a fan perspective in match at home it's on the road on the road it is there and it will be there in Shavs on saturday i don't doubt that for a second but at the luge there's getting to be too many of these nights where this where it sounds like a library where it sounds like you're at a book fair instead of at a football match yes the players had a poor performance on the pitch but the supporters had a poor performance in the stand as well. That's two matches in a row. Midweek was the same thing. Completely, completely embarrassed and had, you know, the battle in the stands. The Real Sociedad fans wiped the floor with our fans on on Tuesday night, on the previous Tuesday in the Champions League. And now we just were nowhere to be heard. You could have heard a pen drop in that stadium. And uh, But then they want to be there to whistle, and they want to be there to flash the middle finger at their own players. Honestly, with all of the, the issues in the league, with referees, with our rivals, 
there's no bigger obstacle and no bigger rival to our club than parts of our own fan base. And I don't know how we fix this. I don't know how we change attitudes. You can't play perfect all the time. And it's when times are tough that this fan base needs to get behind this team and these players. I'm glad to see. I do believe this team is united. I do believe they are a family. I think that locker room is tight-knit. And I think they're 100% in support of the manager. I don't have a doubt about that at all. But the fan base is not with them. Not enough of it. I don't want to come on here and talk about this week after week, guys. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to insult our own fans. I Some of whom may listen to this show, I don't know. Um, but the home atmosphere sucks. It sucks. That used to be the Inferno Deluge. That was an inferno. Today, it's a resort for, for visitors. Today, it is a welcoming five-star Lisbon resort for visiting supporters and for visiting players. We got to fix this. We got to fix this. The supporters groups, the clocks, they need to get back together. They need to reunite. Okay? We got to put the clocks in one location, all of them together, for the good of the club. Never mind the good of beef. And never mind holding on to feuds you've been holding on to for whatever many years. Ultimately, supporters... Number one loyalty should be to the club, not to their supporters groups. And we need to be led in unison in these stadiums by these supporters that do what they do. The ultras, the clocks, okay? Whether it's a South American style or it's a British style or a German style of support, whatever it is, let's be united. Let's get behind this team because, damn it, we have the best team in this league. We have the best players in this league. And they just need a little lift, in my opinion. That's all that this team needs, a little bit of a lift. One good match, one good performance can completely change everything. So, again, uh, I'm hoping that uh, hoping that this gets better. A couple of stats to finish out uh, the talk about this match. I'm going a little longer than I wanted to. Mifiko with 70% possession, a lot of that by design. 16 total shots, 8 for Kazapia, 4 big chances to Kazapia's 2. Accurate passes, 567 accurate passes for Benfica, 89% efficiency uh, to 218 for Kazapia. Benfica committed only 12, Benfica committed 12 fouls, which is where I like to see them between 10 and 15 fouls committed. Kazapia committed 20. Yeah, Kazapia committed 20 fouls and they were booked, let's see here. They were booked only twice. 20 fouls and only two for yellow cards. <sighs> the uh, rest, let, let's um, let's talk about the league then. And uh, let's talk about the rest of the matches in the Liga Portugal for this round nine before we move on. Okay. As the round began last Friday, Roca hosting Moreirense. Roca letting me down and uh, moving me closer and closer to last place in the Long Ball Football Podcasts uh, picking uh, you know match prediction board. I I had a great start and now I am literally like in last place. Thanks, Roca. Morirens wins that one nil. 
Uh, that match was played in front of a crowd of 1,037. This is the Portuguese league at its finest. 1,037. Portimonense versus Estoril in Portimão. Played in front of 1,579. 1-0 one win to the Algarvian side. Benfica, Kazapi, as you know, 1-1 in front of 57,200-whatever. At the Dom Alphonse Henriques, Vitória Guimarães led by... This is a battle of... Uh, Vitória Guimarães versus their former manager, Moreno. Uh, their new manager, Álvaro Pacheco, leads the Guerreiros to a... Sorry, not the Guerreiros, the Conquistadores to a 5-0 win over Chaves. And the Don Alfonso Henrique had a crowd of only 12,984. This is a crowd that that's, um, that's a little more than a third of that stadium. Go ahead, Pedro Proença. Tell us how attendances are up this year. Tell us everything is all right in the Liga Portugal. Big fat lie from the president of the league. These attendances are pitiful once again. Gil Vicente hosting Braga. Uh, this one played in front of 4,504. That's uh, most of the stadium full in Barcelos. This one was the match of the weekend, finishing 3-3. Uh, Gil Vicente got goals from Baturina Dominguez and from Wilson, while Simon Banza scored for Braga and Ricardo Horta. Sorry, Andrea Horta, not Ricardo. My fault there. I uh, jumped the gun. Andrea Horta with two goals for Braga. Braga dropped another point, another two points. Sunday's matches. Ferenc goes into Vila do Conde and beats Rio Ave for three. Estrela Amadora, 1-0 winners at home against Famalicão. Further sinking me in the prediction table. Thanks a lot, Famalicão. Vizela, unable to do anything against Porto at home. Again, their their record against Porto is laughable uh, ever since they returned to the first division. And um, almost a satellite club for them. It's uh, I don't expect anything from anybody against Porto. Taremi scores a penalty. And uh, Oshtaku scores uh, in the 44th for the Dragons. And lastly, Monday night's game. I had said it was a few hours later. It was the next day. <laughs> Bovista lose 2-0 at home to Sporting. This one played at the Bessa, a sta another stadium that holds almost 30,000 and only 12,600 in the stadium. Nothing but empty seats everywhere. Nothing but empty seats all over Portugal. And... Um, that is that is the reality of the Portuguese first division uh, fixtures for this upcoming weekend. Now, okay, here we go. Round ten kicks off uh, today. If you're listening to this on Friday, the uh, the third. I'm recording this late on Thursday, the second. It is Porto hosting Estoril. Three more points for them, no question. At home at uh, 9.15 Portuguese Standard Time. And then Saturday, an early kickoff for Benfica. They're at Chaves. This one is going to be a 4.30 p.m. Portuguese Standard Time kickoff, which is 11.30 a.m. here on the east coast of the United States. 8.30 a.m., if my math is correct. Yes, 8.30 a.m. Pacific at the Estadio Municipal Ingeniero Manuel Branco Teixeira. In beautiful Trajos Montes, Chaves, Trajos Montes, Portugal. Benfica second place right now on 22 points. Chaves coming in in 14th place with 7 points. 
Uh, Benfica need to avenge the loss from last season. Uh, absolutely have to get three points here because it's the last match before the derby with Sporting the following weekend. All right. Let's quickly talk about uh, the Oroca match. I didn't see this one. I saw highlights. Again, I hate the Tasa de Liga, not because of any ideological reasons, not because of uh, anything else, but because I can never get these games. They put them on Sport TV. We don't have that here. Yes, I could I could illegally stream it. I could find a pirated link. I could get an IPTV. I don't... You don't, that's not what you should require of your fans. Liga Portugal, gain a brain. Pedro Proença, you're going to promote this competition. It should be included in your TV rights package. And your TV partners should be broadcasting these games. They need weekday content. Goal TV would love a weekday match in the Liga. A weekday afternoon match when the South American leagues play at night. It makes too much sense. But yet they don't do that. They don't think about the international rights. And they want to centralize TV rights and sell it across the world again. They're living in a dreamland in the Liga Portugal offices. So this match was uh, not I didn't watch this. I listened old-fashioned 1997-style radio. FM radio out of New Bedford, Massachusetts. WJFD, Radio Globo, 97.3 FM. I listened to their crackly, staticky signal. But if you could get the win, um, a win desperately needed. Uh, going into this match, I thought that Benfica should have. Um, I thought that Benfica should have gone into this with with as strong a team as possible. Normally, you want to rotate the squad, but the way things are going right now, in order, as someone said this, in order to rotate, you have to have routines first. You have to establish routines. But if you go right now, you need to get back to establishing routines, establishing dynamics before they can rotate again. They got to get out of this out of this bunker and they've got to start getting some form, and this was a perfect opportunity for that. And I think they made the most of the opportunity. Um Again, I uh, the fan base just getting on my nerves, to be honest. Uh, elements of the fan base, I should say. It's not all the fans. But elements of it getting on my nerves. I was already in a bad mood because the Navigadores lost to Austria for the second time in a week because Francisco Neto cannot coach this. He just has his favorites and he plays them. Not, this isn't the place for that, but I was already in a bad mood. So this lifted me up a little bit when I saw on Twitter... And when I heard the the call on the radio, but when I saw on Twitter uh, the free kick goal from Angel Di Maria to put Benfica in the lead, they needed that goal. It came at a time they needed early. And I was excited also to see Arthur Cabral score in the 74th and get himself a goal. It was a goal where he re- he made a sprint of about 55 yards. So that was um, something he needed to be able to do. That is something that hopefully will shut some of the people up. It won't. Some people will never shut up. And at the very first or next mistake, that's where they come in to point the finger. But if you pick up a 2-0 victory on the road at uh, Aroca and now find themselves top of the table, joint top of the table with Aroca, but leading the head-to-head. And now all they need is one point against AVS. Uh, I think that matches next month sometime to book their place in the final four of this ridiculous competition where there is a group of three 
you win one game and you're basically into the final four. While these other teams have played multiple games just to get here. This is, again, another one of the clown shows of Pedro Proença's Liga Portugal. But what's important for me, what's important for um, the club is that the performance improved. This is a decent Aroca side. A side that defends very well, that uh, limits opportunities, and Befica played well. Of course, none of the none of the um, the apps have stats for this. None of them have lineups because again, this competition sucks. I like the idea of the competition. I hate the way it's run. But what's important is Benfica get a better performance and hopefully get some rhythm going into Saturday's uh, matchup with Shavsh. The big talking point coming out of the match was, first of all, the injuries to uh, to, to David Nersh and um, to to Alexander Ba. Yeah, Alexander Ba. Um, just uh, it, it's not getting any easier for us. Not getting any easier for this club to find its way to find its form. However, we got to see some of Tiago Veia in this. That's a good. That's a good thing. I think that's a good. That's a good thing. I think Tiago Veia is going to be a major uh, beneficiary. Dare I say to this injury to uh, David Neres? We got to see Gonzalo Guedes get some minutes. He got a start, you know, at the striker position. I think that's where he has to play in this system, because I think to Roger. We need he needs to play his system and I think he believes in his system and it's and yes you do have to change things when they don't work sometimes but you also want to prove you want to be able to resolve things and get back to your identity as a team because lost that a little bit and this is why I'm really against the common belief that the answer to everything is always changing managers listen this club has had four managers. Four managers since Ruben Amorim took over at Sporting. I don't know how many managers this club has had since Sergio Conceição took over at Porto. Stability is important. Continuity is important. Though both of those coaches have survived things that our club would have sacked the manager for. And that's not something for us to be proud of. That's something to rethink. You want to have a team that wins year after year after year. You want to have a team that builds a system that can be carried and a legacy that can be carried from one group to another. Okay, you you have to stick by managers. You have to believe in the project, and you cannot abandon it at the first hurdle. And I'm sorry, a six-week dip in form is the first hurdle. It is one blip on a 34 week season and the season's actually longer than 34 weeks because it starts before week one and it can extend past week one you could play as many and plus there's breaks in there you could there's as many as 50 or 51 weeks in the season i mean i think there's about four weeks of the entire calendar year where this team is not training or playing you cannot let a six week dip in a six-week struggle, completely derail your long-term plan. This club has done that too many times, and that's why we've won, you know, fewer titles than we should have. We're we're getting better. Okay, the last ten years were much better than the previous ten, but I want the next ten to be dominant. 
And it's not going to be dominant if we keep recycling managers, or not recycling, we keep disposing of managers after 18 months, after they win a title and, and don't come back the next season flying, okay? We have sunk managers because you know what happens too. When you, who are you going to get? Who is going to come in here? You're going to bring in someone and change the whole thing again, and maybe you get a little, a little, you know, new manager bump in the beginning. But then what? But then what? You're going to fire him too. You're going to keep doing this. You're going to keep paying out all of these, uh, all of these wages, you know, uh, or all of these. You're going to buy out all of these contracts or continue to pay all of these managers to sit at home while you're paying two managers at once. I don't want another Georges Zouge. That was a huge step, and not him personally. I don't want another step, huge step backwards like that appointment was. I'm willing to stick by the manager. for, for I'm willing to go through an entire season and give him an and and see what he brings back the next season I don't believe that I don't believe that you know three matches is enough to sack a manager or three months I believe in three years for managers okay you look at the top teams in the Premier League how long have they had their managers how long what has Klopp survived how low has he finished? If Liverpool are good enough to stick by Klopp through seventh place, Benfica can't stick by. They can't stick by Roger Schmidt through second place, three points back in week nine. Again, no other club in the world would consider <laughs> winning seven, losing one, and drawing one in the first nine of their league season a crisis. What we do is that we lump in the Champions League with the league and that the, those things need to be compartmentalized, okay? Those are two separate competitions with two separate situations, with two separate levels of play. And even then, I, I've read things where people said that... Benf I read a blog post about how Benfica's ultimate test needs to be how they do in Europe. I respectfully disagree. And here's why. Europe... Okay, especially the Champions League. And that level of competition is very high. And this group was not easy, much to the surprise of many of our fans. They thought this was going to be an easy group. A lot of people thought we were going to win this group. And I said, we're screwed. When, when they came out, I didn't have, I thought that last year too, and we, we played above ourselves. But here is the difference between last year and this year. Seasons have ebbs and flows. Like we said, you have highs and lows. When the Champions League falls, because remember, the Champions League is six matches out of about 50. Bifico will play about 50 matches this season, or most seasons. They play close to 50 matches. The Champions League that we're... That I respectfully dis disagree with the post that said that that is what we measure our success on. I get the idea that we want to measure ourselves against the best, but the Champions League occurs in six specific windows inside of th little more than two months, two and a half month period of time. That is like a quarter of our season. That is a exactly a quarter of our 10-month season. And I, I, you cannot rationally judge an entire season based on the form in that 
two and a half month space of time. That's not how any top level manager thinks. They don't say this in the press conference because they can't say it. They'll get massacred for it. But they do not think that, you know, they do not boil down success and failure to one to a one quarter of your season. Can you lose everything in that quarter of the season? Yes, of course. Of course you can. Has Benfica lost everything? Of course not. Yeah, they probably lost the the opportunity to go to the round of 16 in the Champions League and earn money. I don't know. Portuguese fans have this obsession with, with money and what is spent and what is won. And you don't hear that from other from supporters of other like-minded league or similar level leagues. You don't hear the Dutch clubs talking about wanting to qualify because of money. They want to qualify because they want to compete and they want to win. You don't hear about Turkish clubs saying they've got to make Champions League so they don't have to sell players. And that's the Turkish league. That That's ranked below our league, which I have my doubts that it's that the Portuguese league is actually better than the Turkish league. But that's a, a whole topic for another another conversation. This the you can't continue to blow up the project because a portion of it gets difficult. And this club far too many times has blown up the project because it got difficult. Rather than rolling up the sleeves, going to work and getting better. I didn't end up playing the Flash interview that I had downloaded to uh, put in this episode, but Roger Schmidt said it was asked, how do you fix this? And he said, you go to work. It's the simplest answer in the world, and every manager would say that. You go to work. That's how you you get out of this. You work your way out of it. You have to try that much harder now. And I think this team's willing to do that. It's not going to be pretty on Saturday. It's not going to be pretty next week in in San Sebastian against Real Sociedad. It's not going to come together like that. It's going to take time. It's going to take matches. But in the meantime, you need to get better each match. And at least this week, I saw an improvement from Saturday to Tuesday. There was an improvement. I shouldn't say I saw. I didn't see. From what everything's indicating to me, from st- from what I've read and what I've looked at, Everything has, it has improved. Now, you all know how much I love a back three. So when I saw Roger put a back three, I got, I was excited for this. Okay. And I think it's a good move because here's this word again, equilibrium, balance, 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 balance. Okay. We don't have the wide wing backs anymore. Okay. We have a Eurosec who's struggling and who I believe Roger Schmidt needs to protect now. I need Eurus- I think Eurosec needs to sit out for a couple of weeks for his own protection because he's just going to get completely massacred when he if he goes onto the pitch in the Stadio Luz, he's going to get whistled off the pitch by this fan base. I think Roger's kind of gotten a uh, uh, he's gotten a handle on that and I I do think he's going to they're going to see more of Juan Bernat. Bernat's minutes need to increase so that his fitness can increase so we can eventually have him for larger portions of the match. Um, yeah, I like the idea of, of Moratu, uh, Otamendi, and Antonio Silva. Uh, my criticisms of Moratu that I've had ever since he's been in this first team 
don't concern me in a back three. Because, again, you have that balance. If he makes that mistake, there's still Otamendi and there's still Antonio Silva there. It's a 3-4-3, which I found interesting because I know when I first saw all three center backs in there, I was trying to imagine who was playing wing back, and the answer is nobody. <laughs> the answer is nobody, and I like that too. The answer is Dronevge and, and uh, Auschnitz play as kind of uh, wide midfielders that if forced to can drop into a into a back position but really are not really the flank the wide play is going to be left for the dribblers for Di Maria for whoever goes Romario a little bit but he's not really that wide of a player eventually I think you could see uh, Rafa return to the wing I think that's what I would do if Kokshu is he- healthy I put Kokshu in the number 10 position with with Di Maria on one side and with um with Rafa on the other, and then you have substitutes like Thiago Veya, and you have um, Gonzalo Gedge if he doesn't start, to who can come in for those positions. Um, and then you have a you know you have a striker in you have a striker in Cabral in Arthur Cabral, who now does not hold such a large um, such a large burden for the pressing. Gegen pressing as as Roger Schmidt says. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Roger and Befica do on Saturday. I want to see if they're going to look like they did on Tuesday or if he's going to go back to a similar 4-2-3-1 position, you know, uh, system that he'd been playing. I'm not ruling either of them out. I think both of them are equally possible. That's where I'm standing right now. Um, But I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I think that's I think that does it for this episode 175 can't believe i'm already at episode 175 i think we're gonna get to 200 by the end of this season um thanks for listening guys uh, i appreciate obviously you allowing me to have this time with you to be part of, of you know your your busy lives um even those of you who only listen for a little while or who only listen every couple of weeks some of you listen only when we win others like me more when we lose I get it. Uh, listen, I'm an avid podcast listener. I have similar habits for different different shows, different times I go to them. Um, don't forget uh, to sh- to if you like the episode, share it with your friends, share it on your social media. Uh, I would love to get this out to just make it available to Benfiquistas English speaking or even English understanding Benfiquistas wherever they are, and I would love to uh, just be more more available and be more visible to them. If you have any feedback, feel free to drop me a DM. My DMs are always open at Mike Agustino. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. I love interacting with with, with fans. And if you guys want to send me questions for the next episode, feel free to do that too after the after the Shavj match if you want. Drop me some questions. I'll read them on the air, and I'll, I'll answer them for you uh, as best I can, of course. Um, I, lo- I again, I love to interact with with listeners and just with other Benfica supporters in in general. I didn't get a video out uh, this week, any type of analysis. I'm gonna try to do that for the Shavj match. I should have some time again. I gotta get a a Modalidad episode out as well. Women's team returns to action this week too after an international break. So a lot of stuff coming here. And also, um, ep- the latest episode of Liga Trish English is out. It's in your podcast feed. You can go back. It's the episode before this one. Give it a listen, if you will. And um, I'm going to 
I'm going to start um, having a couple bonus parking the bus episodes also that I'm going to put on this feed that I'm going to be reviewing some some content um, that I would love to share with, with everybody and not just an American audience. But that's it for this episode 175. Like I said, I am the Mr. Mike Agustino signing off now. Let's keep the faith, guys. Let's keep our heads up and let it get. let's get behind this team and see them through this tough time and see them out on the other side of this stronger, better, more focused, more ready to win. We got a derby in a week, so uh, the, the, the upcoming week could be very interesting. I'm going to try to get some bonus uh, derby content out to you next week. I can't promise it. I don't know what my work schedule is going to look like, but hopefully I can get a few moments to put some extra um, derby themed content out there for you so thank you for listening again signing out carrega benfica forza benfica remember e pluribus unum is our motto of many one and we are benfica carrega benfica damu 39 until next time see you guys good evening coach what can you say about this draw well we are frustrated so uh, i think um, if you see the match, we have to win this game. I think um, we showed a good reaction uh, today from the start. I think we played good football. It's not easy to create uh, chances against Casapia uh, because they, they are very good in deep defending. But nevertheless, I think we found um, a lot of uh, solutions and then we cr- could create uh, chances al- already in the first half. But um, I think what we forgot uh, was to, to, yeah, to decide the game, to score more than one goal because with one goal then the opponent uh, stays always uh, in the game and uh, that's football and so we, we did mistakes then in the defense we haven't used our chances in the offense and then at the end it is a draw and then of course it is um, very frustrating it's the the, the last touch that uh, you're saying that was the the, the biggest problem uh, tonight against Casapia. Uh, uh, what can you do now what can Benfica do now yeah work uh, we have to work so I think like you said so I I think um, we are doing a lot of things very well, but to score goals, to be very straight um, um, in the box, to find the right player, to be um, to show also quality in the box, to, to score more goals in these moments, I think that's something we we have to show because um, yeah, if you always need so many chances to score more than one goal to, to decide the match, I think is not good because then um, uh, football is like that. So sometimes you get the punishment for. Um, not using your your chances and um, so we have to work we have to um, improve individual wise as a team um, that's what what you have to do in these moments